And God's people said, It's a good day at Dorsville. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And as we heard last week, we are standing on holy ground. What we have been handed today is not something we must toy with, but that we must embrace and hear the voice of the Lord of God. And I want to thank you for coming. I really do. You know, I, uh, I'm debating my heart what to say at this moment, so I'm going to go ahead and go with my heart. I was sitting back there, or standing back there talking to T.A., and uh, this summer we've been in kind of a, an attendance slump. Contrast to last summer, which seemed to be quite a good summer, but it's kind of normal for a church to go through a summer slump. But I almost am convinced that there's something far greater than a summer slump going on, that there really is a battle waging. There really is a battle waging. It's a spiritual battle. Uh, that's, and it's no, no accident, I do not believe, that we are in a series called Scar Wars and where we're talking about the conflict of good and evil. I don't think it's any accident that it happens and it occurs in the middle of our cultural wars that are going on um, when it just doesn't seem like America can quite find her way as a nation. And frankly, how the church is struggling to find its way in the midst of them looking for their way. And so I'm really excited about the setup that God has given us today for this message because it is like way crucially important. Um, so I want you to go ahead and take your Bibles and look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. And the, the idea today is how does Satan work? I, I've got a subtitle of the systems of Satan. I, you need to understand. Well, let's just do it this way. I was gonna, I was gonna do something else and I'll tell you what it was in just a moment. But, but I must, I would like, if you believe that there is a real and personal God, would you make a little noise? Would that be, yeah, okay, good, yeah. I was gonna have you raise your hands if you believe that, but then I said, some folks just don't do the public thing very well and, the person sitting next to him, you know, would go, well, don't you believe in God? So I figure if we just holler a little bit, we're a lot safer. And that was the right answer, you know, because James 2.19 says, you believe there's one God and you do well because the devil believes and trembles. So it's a good thing that we believe in one living God, one personal God. But here's the next question. You know, do you believe in a real, and I use the word personal in the sense of a real created being, Devil, Not that you have a personal devil, but do you believe that Satan is real? Now make some noise if you believe that. Yeah. Because here's what I'm going to tell you right now. He doesn't want you to believe that. He, want, he wants you to believe, first off, he probably doesn't have too much of an angst in your, his spirit if we just kind of believe, like throw it out there, there's a God. There's a God. He gets really antsy when he starts talking about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. Satan gets real antsy about that. But, but you know, the idea and concept, you know, yeah, there's God. Yeah, okay. But he gets real happy when we believe, when we don't believe in a personal Satan, a real Satan. You know, it's, it's the world we live in, that seems to be the case. You know, there's a thing called practical atheism. I've, I've taught on it several times. And practical atheism. And that's the concept and idea that I believe there's a God, but I live, I live as if he does not exist. I believe there's a God, but I live as if he does not exist. In other words, I believe there's a God, but I like ignore or, or choose the portions of the word of God that I want to live by. Practical atheism. But there, I really think that applies to 
with Satan. I think we honestly, we, we do the practical atheism thing with Satan in the sense that, you know, we say, oh yeah, there's a devil, but we live as if he's not real. In the sense that we open ourselves up to satanic attack and then wonder why our lives end up as messed up as they are. It's because there really is, listen, there really is a devil. And he is as real as the one true God that you just professed. And he is opposing God. There is a cosmic battle between good and evil. We see it in the world today, perhaps like never before. And some of you are seeing him very active in your lives right now. And your world is like turned upside down. So I want to spend my time with you today... I want to spend my time with you talking about these systems of Satan and doing my very best to expose him for the, for the evil creature that he is. And I really want you to start just, I mean, if you're a note taker, take notes. If not, try to remember the sermon will be online. But I want you to begin by saying this. There really is say, a Satan and he really is active in the world today. Now, we, we wanted to start about... About two or three years ago, God gave me some insights, and I, and I don't say that lightly, but God gave me some insights into 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that really brought it alive for me personally. And I've shared with you at least twice on, on two separate occasions some of the truths that God showed me from this scripture. And, and again, the first system is this idea of he's the great deceiver. And I want to launch from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8, 8 through 11. I want to launch from verse number 8, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that Satan does. And listen, you better listen up. You better pay attention. You better write it down. Because Satan knows his time is short. And as he knows his time is short, he's become more and more Furious. It will be on a national level, it will be on a world level, but it will be on a personal level. Some of you already know exactly what I am talking about. As Satan realized he's backed into a corner and his time of defeat is coming, he will be active in the world like never before. So Peter begins our study today. Peter begins by sharing with us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 11. He tells us first off, to be sober, to be sober. And the word there carries the idea or carries the meaning of to be self-controlled. In the world that we live in today, that's a problem. Because culturally and frankly in the church, we sometimes live not as a people in control, but a people out of control. Frank Sinatra is famous for singing the song, I Did It My Way. And it so seems that's the national anthem, certainly, of our nation these days, when the people are saying, hey, I'm doing it my way. And then, by the way, that's I get that because, again, a pagan culture and pagans will act like pagans, and a pagan culture will act like a pagan culture. We shouldn't be shocked by that. And the, and the, and the tenor of our lives today in our culture is, I want to do it my way. But I also understand this. No matter where you stand on Romans chapter 7 and the, the war of the two natures, no matter where you land with that, the bottom line is there's a war going on often in our lives about what do we do and how do we do it. And so often that battle to do the wrong thing and that battle of right and good, we cave and we give in. I was not surprised at all, had not looked at the order of worship, 
But I was not surprised at all when David sang a version of Come Thy Fount. Because I wrote down on my little sermon sheet here, prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And somewhere, even, even as a follower of Christ, even as you know you're born again, no matter how you land with those battle of two natures, no matter what's going on, Peter advises us to be sober because he knows our propensity of us not to be self-controlled. Rather, we're prone to wonder. We're prone to be pulled by this creature called Satan and his temptations, prone to lead the God I love. And that's why the sermon is so important today, because I know it's active in my life, and I'm going to be bold enough to say, guess what? It's active in your life. No matter how old you are, no long, no, no, not caring how long you've been a Christian, no matter how conservative or legalistic or religious or whatever it is you are, you need to understand there's still that bit in us till we find get delivered from this sinful world. There's that bit in us that if we're not careful will cause us to lead the God we love. We know people who have faithfully served God for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and all of a sudden find themselves out in the world somewhere doing the most ungodly things. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. So he says, be sober. Exercise self-control. He says, be vigilant. It simply means this. Be alert and watchful. Be alert and watchful. And then he gives us a connector. It says, because. There's a reason I'm telling you, Peter would say. There's a reason I'm telling you to to, um, be vigilant, to be alert and watchful. There's a reason I'm telling you now is the day. Now is the day. Now is the day. Not next week. Not a month from now. Not six months from now. When things get a little better. When things go worse. Right now is the time for us to be a people of spiritual self-control. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil... Your adversary, the devil. Uh, An adversary is one who actively and continuously is hostile towards you. That's the definition in the Greek. An adversary is one who is continually and actively opposing you. So your adversary, the one, not, not just opposing Billy Graham and not just opposing some other famous pastor we might know. He's opposing you if you are a child of God. He is your adversary, and and the he's called the devil. Now, interesting enough, uh, you know what the, the word devil translates as? Slanderer. Write that down. Slanderer. The word devil translates from the Greek, slanderer. What does that mean, Dwayne? Well, as we learned last Sunday night, I think it was. I get sermons mixed up. But we learned at this point... In, in, a, in, a, in a cosmic way, we don't understand, we can't see that in a very real way that Satan and his cronies still has access to God. Now, that will end in the future. But right now, he still has access to God. And when he approaches the throne of God, him and his cronies, do you have any idea what he's doing? Let me tell you, he's slandering you. He's accusing you. So this adversary called the devil goes to the throne of the Father and accuses us and slanders us before God. Now that would be bad enough. But then he also slanders God before the people. He slanders us before God and slanders God 
before the people. Now, what do you suppose or what's his greatest weapon as he slanders God before the people? Now, the people being the world, would you like to know? It's the ammunition that we provide him. When we choose publicly and privately to live ungodly, then Satan takes that and slanders God before the world and says, those Christians say that Jesus is real. Those Christians say that there is a God. Look at their lives and their lives declare that God is dead. You want to know why you need to live practical, holy lives? Because when we don't, We give ammunition for the accuser, the slanderer, to slander God before a dark, lost world who desperately needs a Savior. It's time for the church to be the church, yes. But it's time for God's people to be holy. And by the way, I'm not just talking about how you dress. I'm not talking whether you drink alcohol or not. I am talking about the way that we love and treat people. I'm telling you, did you hear what Galatians chapter 5 said? Paul basically said this. It boils down to this. This is what matters in faith. Love one another. That's what matters. The world could give a rip how long your dress is or if you have a tie on at church. The world could give a rip about the things we measure up so highly. Oh, but they're watching. They're watching how we treat one another. They're listening at the coffee shops. They're listening at McDonald's. They're listening in the locker rooms. They're listening 500 feet underground in the mine when we're telling our filthy jokes as believers. And Satan slanders God. And we provide the ammunition. It's time to be a holy people. Not because we need to keep the rules. Because we should not, but because we should not defame the most holy name of Jesus Christ. And we defame the name of Jesus when we live like Satan wants us to live. It's a big deal. So he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around. And then he says those words that God just kind of exploded in my brain about two or three years ago. He says, he walks about like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion. Let's look at these. Let's take time to look at these today. First off, look at the word lion. Why did Peter choose When he described Satan in a negative way, why did he choose to use the word lion? I mean, there are bears in the Middle East. And believe me, you don't want to encounter a lion or a grizzly bear. But he could have said some other animal, some kind of example that would have accurately portrayed. Why did he use lion? And I think the reason why is, is that Satan likes that term. Satan likes that term. Satan is as active as a pretend lion. Satan is active as a pretend lion. So for accuracy's sake, I think Peter chose lion under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because that's how Satan wants, us, wants the world to see him, as an aggressive and powerful 
lion. Now, why would he want to be portrayed as an aggressive, powerful lion? Well, let me read to you from Revelation chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, Then I saw the right hand... Now, y'all stay with me. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, which was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming the loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one, no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I, and he's speaking John, and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. And verse number five is the key. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Say, weep no more. Weep no more. Behold, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. The reason Satan likes to be portrayed as a lion is because he loves to try to imitate Christ. The pretend lion wants to be confused with the real lion. But here's the deal. Satan can never be the real deal. Because the only way it was that Jesus was worthy to take the seals was because he was willing to shed his precious blood on the cross that people like you and I, so depraved and so unworthy that he was willing to die for us that we could have forgiveness of sin. He earned the right to be called the Lion of Judah. Satan will never earn that title. Listen to this. This is... Now, I wish you'd been here last week. In Isaiah chapter 14, we talked about the beginnings of Satan. And there's like six or five times that Satan said, I will, I will, I will. And the last thing he says is this, I will be like the Most High. And I honestly believe that when Satan sees the massive, the powerful, the incredible line of Judah, he craves the attention and the worship. So he pretends to be what he can never be. Listen to verse number 11. Then I looked. And I heard about the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering of mitrids and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the, in the sea and all that is in them saying, To Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And that is what Satan craves, but he can never have. He imitates being the lion because he wants what Jesus has. That's what it's all about, folks. The enemy wants the same worship and honor and glory that is due God. That's what the conflict is about. That's what the conflict is about. And he will do everything he can to defame God, to defame his church, in the hopes that he might receive the honor 
and the glory. This is a big deal. So he says that like a roaring lion, notice the word like. In other words, he's not a lion. He can certainly never be the lion of Judah. He can never have the prestige of the lion of Judah because he would never and could never earn that. But he can be like. He's not a lion, but he can be like. Like. Now, there's an interesting scripture, and this is one of our other systems, is you need to understand that Satan is a chameleon. You know what a chameleon is? It's a lizard that, when placed against a certain color, can change his skin to become that color. I almost put down cuttlefish, but I didn't know if you knew what a cuttlefish was. But a cuttlefish is even more amazing. It can swim along the bottom of the ocean if it lays up against a rock. Not only does it change colors, its skin pattern can pick up the pattern of the rock. It's amazing and incredible. And there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians and chapter 11 and verse number 14 that we need to pay attention to. Now listen carefully. This is a big deal. Paul is talking about false teachers. And he says this. about He already said the false teachers were false. And he says, it's no wonder for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You need to know this. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, Satan can appear to us if we're not careful and sound like God. When compared to our interpretation of God. Dwayne, you want to try to explain that? Absolutely. In the culture that we live in, where we've turned God into a giant Santa Claus, when we turn God into the Easter Bunny, when we turn God into a vending machine, hey God, I'll put my quarter in, and then you've got to do what I want you to do. In our culture, church culture, where we've taken God and just turned him into a genie in a bottle where we rub the bottle and he does what we want to do. It's awful easy for Satan to imitate God's voice. We're not happy. And a voice seems to say, God wants you to be happy. And you say, well, that's right. Certainly a good God would want me to be happy. And all of a sudden it's strange, sadly, like God is putting his stamp of approval on anything that you want to do because above all, God wants you to be happy. And let me just make something real clear. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God is not interested in your happiness. He's concerned about your holiness. He's concerned about your joy, but not your happiness. And if you start hearing voices that tell you it's all right to view porn, it's all right to divorce your husband and your wife, it's all right to abandon your family, it's all right to do this, that's not God. It's Satan, who sounds a lot like God, because in your strange interpretation of who God is, God wants you to be happy. Folks, this is big. A lot of the junk, a lot of the junk we justify in our lives, we justify under the guise that that's what God would want. Well, let me help you. This is what God wants. 
This is what God wants. If whatever you're hearing in your head, whatever you're hearing from your friends, whether they sit next to you in church or not, if it doesn't line up with this, you're hearing a false voice. You're hearing a voice that may sound like God, may sound godly, may certainly sound religious, but if it violates His Word, it's not the voice of God. Satan is disguising himself as an angel. This is big, guys. It's big in our culture because, again, as our culture turns further and further away from God, as it turns further away from God, it's going to be more and more tempting for us to water down the Word of God and to water down what we believe about the Word of God and to justify our sinful actions. This isn't new. It started probably really big in the 60s. But it snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. y'all believe this? Does it sound like I'm preaching a fairy tale? I'm preaching the Word of God. Now, it gets worse. Look what he says in verse number... Well, actually, it's continuing. No, it's in 15. It's 15. No wonder, for Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. So it's no great thing. Say no great thing. Mm. It's 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 no great thing then if his servants, that's not a capital H, it's a small h referring to Satan's servants. It's no great thing if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Whoa! Their destiny will be according to their works. So not only is this voice of Satan that you're using to justify a sinful lifestyle, not only is it sounding like God, there's people in the pulpit who will back it up. Judy read to me a story about a Baptist church. It used to be Southern Baptist. Now it's a member of the, whatever the other convention is, in South Carolina that fully believes in same-sex marriage, ordaining gays and all that, coming from a Baptist pulpit. There are many denominations today, rather than standing for... And listen, I'm not judging anyone. Don't say, well, you finally went over the top and started judging. No, sir. I'm just telling you the truth. That in the pulpits of America today, don't believe everything you hear, including here. If I can't back up what I say with the Word of God, we need to have a talk with the deacons. I mean that. In the world we live in today... We have got to have the right brush paint in our hand, a brush for painting the picture of God in our hands, and that paintbrush is the Word of God. If you want to know what God looks like, look in His Word. I'm telling you, there's plenty of preachers today with their health and wealth gospel and their liberal gospel. They'll tell you anything you want to hear, anything you want to hear, and that does not line up with the Bible. And like I said, it's not just some of the other denominations. It's right here in our Baptist camp. That's a big deal. When Satan can get pulpits preaching a false gospel, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. So he says that we, going back to 1 Peter 5. So, so this adversary, this accuser, this slanderer walks around like a roaring lion. Now this is the deal. Why a roaring lion? 
Why a roaring lion? Now, you know, when a lion is stalking prey, because he does say like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A roaring lion, when a lion stalks prey, he's as stealth as possible. Am I right? Have you all watched National Geographic? So when you're trying to catch an antelope or whatever it is, that lion will get on his stomach and literally crawl like this. I would get down, but we would never get back up. Crawls like this. Stalking to get as close as he can to, for the, to the prey before he springs. So why does Peter say that he's like a roaring lion? And I believe there are two things at least, and there's probably more. The first is this. A lion roars at certain times. And a lion will roar to declare his dominance. A lion will roar to say, I am the alpha male. This is my territory. And I think the reason Peter says that Jesus, or that the, the lion is like a roaring lion, that sings like a roaring lion, I believe the reason why is he's trying to declare a false dominance. A false dominance. Again, he said in Isaiah 14, 14, I will be like the Most High. It's a false declaration. I am like God. Satan, no you're not. You're not all powerful. You're not omnipresent. Uh, You are not omniscient. You don't care for sinners. You destroy sinners. You have no son to give, a son willing to die on the cross. No, Satan, you're not like God. And he never will be. He never will be. But the second reason a lion roars is to attract followers. He's trying to declare his pride and gain a bride. He's trying to declare his pride and gain a bride. What do you mean? Well, first off, when I say the word pride, it's not pride like being proud. Granted, I will ascend. I will, I will, I will. Satan is so full of pride. But the pride I'm talking about is his followers. See, Jesus said there are two ways. And one is the default way. You're born on that path. It's the broad path. Broad is the way and many there be. That's what he said. If you're on the narrow road, you've got to choose the narrow road. So he, his pride is the world. There are plenty of followers. Jesus said, you know, either God's your father or he's not. And if God's not your father, then the devil is. So by default, lost people, hey, look at me, look around. Every person in this room at one time was in the wrong pride. Because the Bible says all of us were born sinners. All of us were born. And until we made a conscious decision for Jesus Christ, we were lost. And we're part of the wrong pride. So he, he is, he's attracting his pride. He's gathering his pride. But as you I said, he's trying to get a bride. Lions roar when they're trying to attract mates. Lions roar when they're trying to attract 
mates. And Satan is looking for a bride. And when you're looking for a bride, there's a place to look, and it's where brides gather. See, Revelation 19.6 says this. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, pure and white. Satan roars to try to attract someone already engaged to another groom. Not for the purpose of your eternal soul, but for the purpose of hurting the groom. You want to hurt a man? Steal his bride. I believe Satan roars his roar to attract members of the bride of Christ away from the groom that they are supposed to love. And there's no greater disservice to the kingdom of God than we are, when we are used by Satan to defame the name of Jesus. It's time to live holy lives. It's time to get out that bed that you're sleeping in with the wrong bridegroom and come home and get with your real groom, and that's Jesus. I guess we could call that rededication. It's called coming back home to God. I guess we could call it repentance. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time for us to understand. Now, it's funny. Satan uses the same trick to keep his pride in his pride and try to steal a bride. Let me say it again. Satan uses the same trick to keep the pride in his pride and the bride in his pride. Here, listen to this. Jesus is being tempted by Satan. So he, Satan, takes him, Jesus, up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you, if you then will worship me, all will be yours. Jesus, you want authority? I can give you authority. You want a kingdom? I can give you a kingdom. And all I want for you to do is worship me. Not for an hour. Not for like eternity. Just, just you and me will know. Just fall down and worship me and, and it's all yours. Do you know that's the trick he plays on us? You're not happy in your job. You're not happy with the income. You're not happy in your marriage. So he plays this card. He says, look, not forever, just worship me. And I'll make you happy. Kind of the car commercial. We'll send you home happy. 
Just worship me and I can make you happy. Are you jealous because they got a boat and you don't? I can make you happy. Don't feel loved? No problem. I can make you happy. It's a card he plays over and over and over again. And because we haven't anchored ourselves in the word, we buy it. We buy it. I haven't said it in a while. Can I just say it? The divorce rate in the church and out of the church is about the same. Are you following me? There's a battle for the hearts of people today. Satan knows that. He knows that. And by his grace, he has allowed us to hear some truth that we needed to hear. All right, we got quick. Here's the bottom line. Some of you here today need to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Now, I know you, some of you, some, if there's a guest here today, you're going, and this is why I don't go to church. Some dude gets up and screams and hollers for 35 minutes. I leave not understanding a thing that I heard. I feel guilty. Um, you know, he sounded judgmental to me. La da 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 da. If that's the case, I'm sorry. That's not how myth came across. I do holler excessively. But here's one thing I want to make clear. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, red, yellow, black, white, all lives matter. Red, yellow, black, or white, rich or poor, no matter your address, no matter the label in your clothes, no matter the car that you drive, if you don't drive because you can't afford a car, no matter if you have a record and then you go down to the jail and they say, oh yeah, we know him. Whatever. For God, whosoever, whosoever believes in him, him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You don't need religion. Sir, if you're here visiting today, what I'm talking about today is not religion. That's probably the last thing you need. You need Jesus. He loved you enough to die for you. He resurrected on the third day, proving who he was. And he's alive today. No other religion claims that. No other person makes that claim. Middle East, Far East, South America, it doesn't matter. No one makes the claim that Jesus makes and backed it up by resurrecting on the third day. He is the real deal. And I got a friend named Brent here who will be glad. We'll be standing here. And we don't, frankly, we don't have all the answers. No one does. But we know enough about this to introduce you to our friend Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Best decision you'll ever make. Come see Brent at the end of our service during our decision time. He'll tell you more about that. You've got to make a conscious decision. Now look at me, guys. Look at me, church. You've got to make a continual decision. A continual decision. If you're a Christ follower today, at some point in your life, that means you surrendered to Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. What does Lord mean? Boss. Boss king, monarch, ruler. 
And my bottom line for us who are Christ followers is to leave this room committed to follow Jesus every day. If it means unhappiness in our lives, and it might, by the way, because when you live in a liberal, liberal society where it says if you want to have a fling, have a fling, who cares? See, the things, what kept us in line so long was the social mores. If you did certain things, society looked down on you and you didn't want that social rejection, so it kind of helped keep us in line. Not in this culture. You know, anything goes. Anything goes. So God wants to help you. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you when you trusted Christ. But we've got to surrender to Him continually. We've got to be aware of who Satan is and understand he wants to defame God. He wants you to do it by your life, by your actions. So I'm asking you to make a solid commitment, whether it's here at church, whether it's in the mines, whether it's school, a solid commitment to live for Christ. Not because you have to, not because God's going to be mad if you don't, but because you are madly in love with Jesus Christ. And you are so enamored by His amazing grace demonstrated on that cross. It compels you, it compels you to live for Him. I say some of us understand we married up. And part of the thing that drives me in, in my relationship with Judy is I know I married up. Yeah. And you know what? Every one of us married up with Jesus. Let me say it again. Every one of us married up with Jesus. I don't sound like a conventional rally. But it's time that Satan be defeated in our lives. He won the victory. It's time we live the victory that we already have in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Well, Father, I want to just pray it out right in front. Father, I pray that we have exalted your name today and exposed and defamed the name of Satan. I pray for my brother, my sister today that is here in this room. Father, as we have this prone-to-wonder conflict going on in our lives, may we surrender to you, understand the victory is yours. It's not ours. We can't win the battle. You already have. So I want to pray that we'll be alert, we'll be vigilant, Father, about Satan in the coming days. Father, in our marriages, as parents... Father, as students look to their, to their moms and dads, Father, in the habits, the things we do in life, we'll be acutely aware of the desire of the enemy to defame the name of Christ. And may we not be participants in that. Father, I pray there's a man or a woman or a child or a student here today, and they've never made this awesome decision to turn from their sins and to follow Jesus. Holy Spirit, only you can do this. I'm asking you to draw those folks to Jesus today. Father, help them to leave the pride lands, Father, of the world, and come home to Jesus. So have your way. This is your invitation time. We tried to make it your service from the get-go. 
And we certainly resurrender that now to you. This is yours. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.